Welcome back to the Red Dice Stories RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about what we'd do if we were in a game that we were uncomfortable with. Yeah, so because this is probably going to go to some fairly dark places um, and as we're discussing this, I'm certainly going to be talking about a game that would definitely fall into like hashtag me too sort of categories. Um, or All the trigger warnings, if you don't want to listen to it, go and listen to something better. Go and listen to something different. If you do want to listen to it, however, strap in. Okay, so there's been loads of discussion and controversy and whatnot in the RPG online communities and at conventions and stuff like that about various safety tools, you know, X cards, lines and veils, stuff like that, you know, character background questionnaires, uh, how far GMs can sort of like push things in a game, you know, without triggering people. And I'm going to try, well, we're going to try and not retread over that ground again because. There's loads of people out there who are arguing for and against safety tools, and I don't see the point in me sort of repeating the same arguments. So I thought to try and be a little bit more constructive, what we'd do is we'd talk about what we'd do if we found ourselves in a game where there was something objectionable to us, and how we, as the people who were experiencing that, might handle it, rather than just sort of like, naysaying whatever safety tools there are okay so first of all i'm going to say that as a person i believe that if i have something that's particularly traumatic to me or that i believe is going to potentially cause an issue in a role-playing game that a large proportion of the responsibility falls on me to make it known that i have that thing that i object to i'm not saying that in all cases i'm just saying for me in particular and to use an analogy for that and hannah can attest to this i although obviously it's not a psychological one but i suffer from epilepsy mm-hmm. so i have like t-shirts that tell people i'm epileptic i've got bracelets that tell people i'm epileptic even the like covid mask i've bought tells people i'm epileptic and that's purely because probably to stop hannah worrying partly because I find it funny, but also because if I collapse somewhere having a seizure and I'm on my own and I can't tell people what's going on, I want people to be able to know so they can behave appropriately. And I like to think if I got some sort of phobia or something like that that I thought might turn up in a game that was going to like really sort of like worry me and like stop me being able to participate in the game, that I'd let people know because I like to think that most GMs wouldn't deliberately like poke that sort of bear if you made it known. And that's all well and good to say, darling, but you can't really go into a game with like a hashtag me too t-shirt on and expect the GM to know exactly what ups and downs of that sort of content that they can cover. No, no, you're right. You, you, you exa- exactly. You can't do that. However, I don't think. I also don't think it's realistic for you to turn up, say nothing to the GM, and then to somehow reach into the ether and pull out and know what's going to bother you in particular. And again, I'm going to use another ridiculous analogy. Let's say I've got like a ridiculous phobia of spiders, like, and I mean ridiculously strong. Let's say that like the mere mention of spiders causes me to curl up into a ball and like lose any ability to like react to my surroundings. Now, if I've got such a strong phobia, 
I wouldn't expect to just stroll into a game and the GM to just take one look at me and be like, oh, I bet that guy's scared of spiders. And likewise, I appreciate it can sometimes be difficult to like let people know about these things, but it's a hell of a lot harder for the GM to just mind read you and work that out. And I'm not saying that to like throw shade at anyone who has got any problems they find difficult to talk about, because that's fair enough. But... It's also not reasonable. If you can't talk about it, it's not reasonable to expect anyone else to know about it. And now, I'm not saying that there aren't clues. Like, if, if someone starts looking really uncomfortable in a game, the GM should pick up on that and they should be able to react appropriately. But, like everything in a role-playing game, I think it's partly the GM's responsibility and partly the player's responsibility. You're right. <clears throat> Sorry. It's because I mentioned spiders. <laughs> You are right. I tend to feel that that responsibility should be before the game actually begins. And I tend to think that if you're going to be putting any kind of extreme content in your game, you need to give your players a big fat warning, whether it's going to be graphic violence or graphic anything else. I, I I do agree with you, sweetie, but I think part of the issue then is who who decides what constitutes extreme. Now, to me, if I was going to run like a D and D game, let's say, and there was someone who was like, "Oh, I'm sensitive to like violence or whatever," but it's a D and D game. You kill monsters in a D and D game. That's just expected. That wouldn't seem extreme to me, and it would also seem to be implicit in the game that I'm running. It's like if I ran a if I'm in like a Call of Cthulhu game, and someone was like, "Oh." Well, I'm a bit sensitive to like horror. I'd be like, Call of Cthulhu is a horror game. Like, I shouldn't then have to say like, oh, it's going to have themes of horror in it because it's a Cthulhu game. Okay. So here's the other thing with sort of conversations about this kind of thing. Yeah. Have you ever had a game, being player or GM, where something in the content became so uncomfortable to you? that you felt like you could never touch that game again. Nope. Exactly. Yeah, but I I mean... The fact that you haven't had this experience doesn't mean it doesn't happen to other people. And I think a lot of the examples that you're giving are sort of straw man examples where when it does actually happen, it can actually be quite dark. To, to, To be fair, though, that sort of rationale... Sounds to me very much like the rationale of like when people have had kids and they go like, oh, well, as a parent, I sort of think that you can't possibly understand or empathise with me because you haven't got kids. And that's horseshit. Okay. I'm not trying to pick at you. No, 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 we're just having a discussion. I, I... It's all good. <laughs> and I apologise if we sound like we're arguing, <laughs> listeners. Part of the point of this was because myself and Hannah are obviously like any two people are going to have different opinions on this and the reason we want to have this discussion is so you can hear the fact that the two of us have got different opinions Mm -hmm. but we're both capable of discussing it without either of us flying off the handle or having a go at each other or anything like that so so i'm going to tell you about the game that i played in okay that i wish had had better trigger warnings at the start and okay. that was the result. Sorry, and that the result of that game is that I always say to my players at the start of a game, "We're going to have 
strict 12a on all sexual content yeah and obviously and we talk about this and he talk about this in the episode if you're comfortable doing so absolutely it was a long time ago the gm of this game is still a very good friend of mine we sat down and discussed it afterwards it's all fine however because i've been in that situation i feel like it might be helpful to sort of explain what happened yeah that's yeah good and why I do put spoiler warnings on yeah why I do put trigger warnings on my games hmm. because I don't want to ever come across that situation again so the game was pitched as being dark crusades as in like historical crusades historical templars okay templars versus demons okay it ran for, I think, three sessions. Was that because of... That was because it came to a very abrupt stop. Okay. Which was basically an argument. But anyway... The basic story was going to be We Are Templar Knights. And at the very start of the game, and this should have really been a big red flag to me, and I should have said, I don't think this game's for me. Yeah. However, at the very start of the game, I gend up a character who was a male knight, because we're playing a historical game. Yeah. The GM said, oh, aren't you going to play a woman? Yeah, I've got to admit. Yeah. He then said, I wasn't going to have anyone rape your character. Yeah, that, that's, that's like a big red flag. And I just laughed at the time because I was like, well, yeah, obviously you're not going to have anyone yeah, rape my you, character. Just assumed, the f- you just assumed he was joking. Yeah, just just oh. thought he was taking the piss. Yeah. And I was like, no, I, we're playing knights. I want to be a proper knight if we're all playing knights. Yeah, and it's historical, so you're playing um, a male knight. Yeah. Anyway, the next... I don't really remember much of the first session. The second session... Uh, one of the other characters encountered a female NPC being attacked by a male NPC. Okay. I don't remember whether he was one of the Moors or one of the Crusaders or whatever. But the character decided to intervene and the GM turned to the character and started questioning him as to whether now he'd got this like naked woman lying in front of him with her legs open, he wanted to have a go himself. The player was extremely uncomfortable with this. Well, unsurprisingly. As were the rest of us. And then the woman turned out to be a demon. And I get what he was going for with this. She was some sort of lust demon. Yeah. And she was trying to, like, entice him in. Some sort of succubus type thing. But it didn't play well. Yeah. And at the end of that session, when we discussed it, as you do at the end of every session, debriefing and stuff, I think I said something to the effect of, that scene was a bit awkward. Yeah. Maybe less of that kind of thing. Now, what he took this to mean 
was that I was uncomfortable with seeing female characters being attacked. So the next session, we faced a very similar scenario, but involving a male child. And I just want to underline here that these were portrayed as being nightmare scenarios, and that in our later discussions, the GM specifically put these scenes in because they were fears he had. He was not getting off on this in any way. But it was still very uncomfortable and very unpleasant. And we got to the point where this child NPC was describing what... it. They were in a monastery, and this child in the monastery was describing what the Pope character had been doing to him. And... I just said, right, dude, I can't take this. Can we just blank screen, fade to black and come back to something more useful? Because at this point, out of character, we were all aware that this was a demon. In character, none of us had sussed it yet. So in character, we're listening to this heartbreaking story from this child... Out of character, we know it's a demon we're going to have to kill in a moment anyway. None of us wanted to listen to that. Yeah. yeah. None of us wanted to listen to that. And as I say, the GM was not in a good mental place at the time. And yeah, it was all very, very poorly executed and poorly planned, I think. Uh, and that was why it went to such a dark place. Hmm. And I think this is another thing that could be addressed when looking at this kind of content in a game. If you are going to put this in your game, you need to know exactly how you're going to cover it. You need to really consider how you word it, how it is going to be presented to the players. Because as I discussed with the GM later... The take-home that I got from his story was that he thought all rape victims must be lust demons who deserved it and brought it into themselves. And, I, yeah. Again, we've discussed it, we're friends now, and that really wasn't what he was going for. That was just how it came off in the moment. I, th- I think you've highlighted an important point there, though, love. Because, as you've said... Although that was badly handled, it a large part of it was like a misunderstanding or di- mm-hmm. difference in perceptions of it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you did the right thing. You had a discussion about it. And like, I'm not saying it wasn't difficult, but you had a discussion about it. And I, I think part of, part of the issue for me is, let's say we're supposed to be talking about what we'd do if we were in a game that mm-hmm. uh, was uncomfortable... My first thing would be have a word with the GM and just say like, "Oh, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable with this because of X, Y, and Z." You don't, you maybe you don't go into detail depending on what the cause is, but at least have a word with them because, as I say, and this isn't to throw shade on anyone who's got like issues which are causing them problems, but the GM doesn't unless the GM knows you well and you're like a long time group, and even sometimes if you are a long time group. 
the GM doesn't know everything about you. He doesn't have like a secret service document, like telling him all about your history and what you what you're triggered by and what what um, what issues and what experiences you've had. Now, I like to I like to think. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm a bit naive, but I like to think that most GMs that I know, if someone came to them genuinely and said like, "I'm oh, I'm having trouble with this in the game," they'd at least enter into a discussion to try and find out like how it could be resolved. Because I know, I know, like if I if I was running one of my campaigns and a player came up and said, "Oh yeah, I'm really having trouble with this," for, for whatever reason, the fact that they'd actually come to me would make me think, "Oh well, you know, we, we need to like do something." I'm not saying I know instinctively what it is, but the fact is, at least if I enter into a discussion with that person, I stand far more chance of working out a way of moving forward. And whether that's just as you say to like to fade to black on certain things. Which isn't a problem. I mean, to be honest, I do that a lot in in games anyway. It's like if there's ever like a sex scene in one of my like RPGs, it's like no one wants to hear like a near like forty year old man describing like a fictional sex scene. So I just like say like, oh yeah, the like let's use Colin's character as an example because he's done this in my game. Oh yeah, Colin's character goes upstairs with the two milk maids. You hear a lot of banging and giggling from upstairs. Fade to black. Everyone knows what's going on. They don't need to hear me graphically describe it. I'm sure Colin doesn't want to hear me graphically describe it. So I, I do that a lot anyway. And I think a lot of it depends on like how graphic you get with things. Because let, let's let's take something like combat, which is like a standard part of D&D. Mm-hmm. If I was to get like really graphic with it and describe like how horrendous like actually stabbing someone and chopping someone up with a sword would be, you can make it just as horrendous as like any scene you'd care to name. But the fact is, we don't, do we? We abstract it out a little bit. We maybe describe, like, oh, someone's arm gets chopped off, or, like, there's a spray of blood, or they fall to the floor, like, oh, I've took an arrow to the knee, or whatever. And we, and we abstract it out. And I think you can do that with a lot of other situations. Like, because if someone's uncomfortable with something, it's probably not the fact that, like, something like that goes on that's going to like mean the, the mere mention of it's going to like mean they have to like withdraw it's probably the sort of having it shoved in their face that's going to cause um, problems again how it's handled how it's presented another thing with this is stuff that occasionally happens at LARP you can you get like sleazy guys yeah. calling at the girls and stuff now, I think that's absolutely brilliant at LARP because every time I've seen a group of lads start doing that, a group of lasses get together with their mages and their ah. encanters and their mates with the pole arms and they go and take them down for I, it. I, I always and laugh it's when I joyous see, to see. I always laugh when I see something like that because I'm like, you are going to be so sorry you like whistled at that girl <laughs> in like five minutes. And that's brilliant, and I know quite a few lads who used to go and do that so that people could go and take them down for it because they know how empowering it is to be able to go and take someone down for that. Yeah. And this is why people play villain characters, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's to... Again, to like bring it back to like how you describe things, um, before we had to like put my vampire game on hiatus, we had a... We had a scene where a Zimacy, who was like one of the mortal relations of one of the player characters, was basically using like a mortal that they'd flashcrafted 
to send like a message to him because they thought this person was dead and they basically had this person go in and they once they delivered this message they sort of fell to pieces almost like they were sort of like being unzipped like the sort of flesh and blood falling off the bone like i could have got really graphic with that and sort of described it and it would have been quite grotesque obviously but I just described the person like unfolding like a flower. And like that's not a particularly grotesque description, but everyone knew what was going on and they knew like how how they would respond in game because it's like it's a horrible thing. But that's without me having to like shove the sort of blood and gore in the face of it. And now blood and gore can be quite fun. I mean, like we like a schlock horror film and stuff like that. That's grand. But again, it's down to the audience. Not everyone loves a horror film. And this is why I find the uh, film certificate grading system very useful. And I will sit with my players and I'll say, okay, you can swear as much as you like. Violent content, as far as I'm concerned, we're fine with anything up to 18. Maybe up to 15 with torture, you know. We'll keep it on the sort of slightly cut away end for that kind of thing if it comes up in the game because you never know what's going to come up in your game you never know what plans your players are going to come up with yeah so if you look at that list of like stuff that's on the film rating guide and again nudity i'm fine with nudity but i'm not gonna have any nookie like acted out in game you can say it's gonna happen and then you can go and close a door somewhere yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right about that. And whilst I don't use like a film rating system per se, if I'm if I can think of a film or like a TV show that sort of like what we're going for, like um, we're doing my White Star game starting soon, and I'm like, right, we're going for a Star Wars flavor. Mm-hmm. That's what we've agreed on. And everyone who's playing that, we've all seen Star Wars. We know mm-hmm. what goes and what doesn't go in a Star Wars film. So it's all going to be blaster bolts and like quips and stuff like that. It's not going to be all sort of like dark and like terrible because it's a Star Wars. It's laser swords and like mm. space magic. And likewise, if if I'm running like a, a slightly darker game, again, assuming like I've got people who don't know the system, I'll try and think of something from like popular culture, whether it's a film, a TV show, whatever, and say, right, we're going for something a bit like this. So they can sort of visualize what we're going for rather than like an abstract sort of like rating system because what i think is like appropriate for unless we all know like the the definition of like all the film ratings what i think is like appropriate for an 18 film might be different to what someone else thinks is appropriate for an 18 film as i say it works as a good guide particularly if you pull up one of the like charts that tells you how it works and go through that at the start yeah if you're planning on putting extreme content in your game just do that at the start and discuss it with your players because you've got that list in front of you it means you don't have to discuss your game and give away spoilers Mm. you're just discussing oh would this thing be okay would that thing be okay somebody brings up that they really don't want something that you'd intended to put in your game it's then up to you to discuss with that player whether they want to continue with the game or for you to rewrite the game because you want that player yeah and and that handily brings me to my next point if i was in a game where there was something that i found objectionable and let's say i've tried to discuss it with the gm they're either not willing to budge or we've not got anywhere with 
the discussion. At the end of the day, as as the player and anyone out there as a player, I have the choice to just go, thanks very much, but no thanks, I'm good, and walk away from that game. And I'm not saying it's always easy to do that, like particularly if you're gaming with friends or people you know. Now, a lot of my games are online or they're like convention games, which are potentially a bit more easy to go. No, it's not ready for me. Thanks very much, guys. Actually, if you're playing with like a regular group of friends, it might be more difficult to do mm -hmm. that. But I think if you get to a certain point, you're like, I'm really not making any ground with this. I'm still finding like the game hard. It's causing me mental distress. I still believe you are far better walking away from that game and like not having that stress mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And I think part a lot of the the objections I heard to like the various um, the various tools that you can use X cards and whatnot are um, people sort of worried that people are going to take advantage of those. And I think these these gaming tools, these safety tools, if you want to call them, they are just that they're tools like like anything else. So again, to use another ridiculous example, because why not? If you think of like a garden spade. Mm -hmm that's not good or bad it's just a tool it's a garden spade now if i if i get my garden spade and i redig your garden and make it all nice for you that's a good thing if on the other hand i like bop someone over the head with the spade and like roll them into a shallow grave that's a bad thing but it's not the fault of the spade it's the use that it's being put to so i don't so and i'm sure that there probably are people out there who would abuse such sort of gaming safety tools because there's always someone looking to like get an angle on something mm -hmm. but i don't think that's an inherent fault of the tool that's the that's the person using it that's causing the problem because i've seen people object saying like oh well, if you've got an x card and the idea being that if you put that down the scene ends and you move on and they don't have, no one has to explain like why they're uncomfortable that people could just use it for anything like and abuse it and people could but that's not a fault of the tool see Again, I don't think I've ever seen or even heard of people using an X card to abuse a game system. I don't think people, even people that don't like the X card, yeah. I don't think would disrespect what it's there for and why it's there. See, I think you've probably got a higher opinion of like most of humanity than I have, sweetie. Because I'm pretty sure, though, because I think there's always going to be someone or a couple of people somewhere yeah, that will try and take advantage of it. We're not talking about most of humanity. We're talking about role players. And the simple fact is that the Venn diagram of people who role play and people with mental health issues has quite a lot of overlap. And correlation is not causation. It's because role play is helpful to people with mental health issues, for the most part at least. But when you're in a group where there's that many people who've got that many different whatever problems, you don't need to compound it by putting something horrible in a game that's going to make half your players cry. See, I, see, I, don't, I, don't, I think you're right, you don't need to compound it. But by the same token, and again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. My thoughts on the matter are that like I don't run RPGs to be to be therapy sessions. I'm not a trained therapist, and it's like if someone said, "Oh yeah, there's something I'm having trouble with in your game," I'd obviously do my best to sort it out. Mm -hmm. But that depends on what it was. Like if it was something that like was inherently part of the game, and someone was like, "I've got a problem with that," I'm like, 
Well, as far as I'm, I can see them as a GM, my choices are either to like run something different or to say to that person, well, this game's probably not for you then. And again, I'm going to use a stupid example. Let's say let's say someone comes up to me and they're like, oh, uh, I've got a real problem with using like armor class in D&D. And I know this is a stupid example. And I go, well, that that's an inherent part of the game. So then I've got a choice of I either pick a game that doesn't have armor class in it, or I say, this game's probably not going to work for you. And I'm deliberately using ludicrous examples, so I'm not sort of like aiming it at anyone in particular. Fair. Okay. Yeah. that That's a fair assessment to make. I don't think anybody's going to ask you to take armor class out of their game. Well, no, as I say, that's a silly Similarly. example. I don't think anybody's going to ask you to take any particular like social issues out of your game, but they might ask you to handle them slightly differently. They might ask you to consider that this particular thing is coming off in this way when perhaps you'd intended it in that way. All right, okay, let, let me pose a high... And, and again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, listeners, so don't be like calling and hating on me for it. <laughs> Let's say, hypothetical situation to you, love. Let's say we're running a game, we've got four people in the group, and I'm... Let's say we, we're running a scene, and we've got three other players, great, they're absolutely loving it, best game ever, and then you've got one person who's like, oh, I'm really not comfortable with this scene. Now... Obviously, my first port of call would be, can I find a way that's going to be comfortable for that person and still give the same game and experience for like the three who are enjoying it? But let's assume for this example that I can't find a way to do that. What do I do then? Do I not have those sort of scenes in and those three people who are really enjoying it don't get to enjoy it, but that one person's like happier? Or do I keep those scenes in, keep that one person uncomfortable but those three people are enjoying it. If that one person's going to keep coming back to a game that everybody else is enjoying and they're not, then they're not really coming for the game, are they? No. So you need to consider why your friend's not enjoying the game because it might not even be anything to do with the game in that sort of... Yeah. Like very very vague scenario that you've given me. If if you've got one player who for whatever reason isn't enjoying it, you need to sit down and talk to them about why. And a lot of times you'll find out that actually they are enjoying it. They're just not sort of showing it in the same way as other people do, or they're not enjoying it because of something completely not related to your game. Mm. When it is something that's related to your game, that's your mate. You can either slightly change that thing or give their character the power to change that thing, which is, if they keep coming back to the game, it's so much better for them to do. And you're right. A GM isn't a trained therapist. A GM isn't any kind of therapist. Right. A GM's just the mate who's hosting the party. And when you are the mate who's hosting the party among a group of mates, 
if one of the people in the party is crying, you're going to go and ask them why. <laughs> Whether you're gaming or not. <laughs> I think as well, part of the thing that worries me, like personally, is um, that obviously there's a there's been, as we were saying, the one of the best things to do first of all is have a discussion mm-hmm. about it. Because in your example, like you say, there was a clear difference of like what those scenes represented. Well, yeah, and unfortunately, when I did try to ask the GM to move on, he got very, very angry, uh, and it resulted in a blazing row that went on for about an hour, and we never went back to the game, and it, I had to like go round to his house and knock on his door and say to him, look, come and have a chat with us I I really don't want us to fall out over this come and talk to me about it it was a big blazing row at the time and I think if there was anything else I want to sort of give people as GM advice if one of your players tells you that they are uncomfortable with your scene consider that it's not about you it's about them and don't blow your stack. Just say, okay, fair enough. Fade to black. Either call an end to the session there and go and talk to the player about it and come back to it next week with fresh eyes and a chance to maybe do a small rewrite. Or fade to black. Go and have a cigarette. Talk to them. Spend ten minutes. Just get a handle on what exactly it is that's like too much to be honest it took me about a week to be able to articulate why I was annoyed at him in the example that I've given and in 25 years of gaming that's the only example I can give you of that sort of a situation coming up I don't think it actually happens all that often I think if you've got a good GM who cares about his players and players who know what they're in for for the game, at least the vague shape of it, it just doesn't happen anyway. Well, like I say, I think, as we're saying, like having that discussion is important. But the main concern for me, certainly nowadays, is that... If I mean we we run games at conventions and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and obviously we do our best to to be careful, you know, when you're running games. But we all know there's been like well put a number of well publicised incidents in recent years where there's been let's call it a misunderstanding mm-hmm. in a game, and rather than have a discussion between the people involved, the the response of the people involved has been to like fly straight to Twitter and basically. Yeah, and basically be like, oh, I can't believe it. This gem's done that, and I've got to admit, even as someone who's fairly careful and does their best, like not to actually sort of like trigger in inverted commas anyone, that that worries me as someone who runs stuff at a at a gaming convention. I mean, as someone who's like trying to slowly sort of start publishing some of their stuff in like the sort of role playing community, let let's say I run a game and someone takes them the wrong way. And, but, and rather than come to me and say, like, oh, I thought this was a bit out of order and we can sort it out, they they go straight online and they're like, oh, John's been doing this, that and the other. And I get sort of like smeared 
online because of that you you can't really do anything against that to be perfectly honest and that yeah, that does I, worry I, me and it and it kind of makes me not want to run games at conventions to be fair the, the thing about games at conventions is that they're very different from games with your friends and if you're going to put anything in and I know the particular incident you're talking about. You're talking about the thing where the guy alluded to the players having had diarrhoea because yeah. they'd all been poisoned, and one of the players thought he meant something else because he described it as them having sore bums. Yeah. And it was that's like really unfortunate for everybody involved, and. I, I really do feel for everybody involved. But, yeah, you're right. The first place to go when something like that happens, especially at a convention when it's strangers and it's even more likely that it's a misunderstanding, you shouldn't be going straight to Twitter. If that does happen to you at a convention and you think the GM has basically just, like, said something awful, you can put down your X card, or for that matter... You can get up and leave the table. You can go back over to the person that's running the room at the convention, which is the job that I have done, and they will find you another GM, or they will find you a refund. That That's not even going to be a question if your GM has actually done that thing. But also, they're probably going to go, he put what in his game? No, 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 I can't. And they will go and speak to the GM and they will say, have, how did you describe that scene? No, don't describe it like that. <laughs> See, now, now, because, now that yeah. sounds all well and good, and I agree, that sounds like the most silly <laughs> way of doing it. However, in this particular case that we're discussing, I know that the guy's got a recording of like the entire session, mm-hmm. and yet he's still been banned from that convention. And even though he's got a recording where he can go, oh, I actually just listened to like what actually happened in the game, his name has been dragged through yeah. the mud online because of that. Yeah, uh, as I say, I really do feel for him because I know that he didn't mean it like that and that the the thing there has been blown out of all proportion. Yeah, and, and as I say, part, part, part of, the, part of the, but, the, the unfortunate side effect of things like this is... Well, there's a few unfortunate side effects. Part of it is that... I'm going to use the word spurious, like spurious claims like that, where it's a misunderstanding, like there's no deliberate malice. I think when people hear that, I think it makes them less likely to take other claims seriously. It's like, uh, you know, when you hear like about fraudulent legal claims being brought mm-hmm, up, mm-hmm. and you worry that like, oh, what if you did have a genuine claim? Would people just think it was another fraudulent claim? Right, we're going well beyond the X card and into realms oh, of... Fine. Many, many. Because all, all, all I'm trying to say, darker uh, issues. All, all I'm trying which... to say is that, well, we did tell people to strap in at yeah. the start. All I'm saying is that, as someone, even as someone who's fairly careful with the games, when I hear about things like that going on, it makes me not want to run games at conventions, because I'm like, oh well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to eventually publish stuff for like RPGs and whatever. What if someone takes a game I'm running the wrong way and doesn't, doesn't like chat with me? And I, I get cancelled because of it. That that's any hopes of like well, having a career in RPGs done. The simple response to that 
is that if someone who you have been following is getting cancelled, go and look at exactly what's happened and decide for yourself. And just because your friend says they don't like them anymore doesn't mean you don't have to... Doesn't mean you can't watch their videos, doesn't mean... And, and again... I, I can't fix cancel culture and um, issues of, like, false accusations and X-cards, love. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just in for the X-card discussion. <laughs> Other far more eloquent YouTubers and uh, podcasters have discussed this at greater length because they are far more qualified than you or I. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's great for people who are far more qualified. But part, part of the reason I think it's important for people like us to talk about things like this on a podcast like, and have yeah. this discussion is because most people aren't that qualified to talk about it. They're, they're, they're just normal people like me and yourself trying to like run a game, trying to play a game, trying to have fun. And obviously the vast majority of people are just there to have fun. They're, they're not there, even if they're having problems with the game, they're not saying they're having these problems just to try and wreck the game. They're, they're not trying to just get at the GM, they're just trying to like go, oh, I'd have more fun if it wasn't for this. And yeah. I think that's, that's what it really comes down to at the end of the day. You have to sort of keep in your mind that no matter how like, irritate as a gen or how like, irritating or annoying it might seem that you have to like skip part of your game the vast majority of people if they come to you and they say like oh I'm having a problem with this they're not doing it to try and cause you a problem mm-hmm. they're trying to do it so that they can stay in your game because they want to stay in your game mm-hmm. but they want to have fun mm-hmm. yeah so um We've been talking for three quarters of an hour now. You're going to edit this, so I should say that again. We've been talking for a long time now, so yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know whether we've whether we've reached any sort of conclusion because, as Hannah rightly said, we're not the most qualified people to talk about this. But it's it's a it, like I say, it, it's it's a worry that that I've had for a while. Yeah, and that I wanted to talk about and try and get off my chest because, as we were saying. It's important if you have these these sort of worries and these pr- these issues with the game to like let people know. So consider this my sort of like getting this worry off my chest and mm-hmm. talking about it with Hannah and obviously like sharing it with you guys out there. Any of you have listened to us like waffling on for like nearly three quarters of an hour, although the edited down version will probably be a little bit less. Um, like I said, we've not really reached any conclusions beyond if you're having trouble with the game. First of all let the GM know about it try and have a discussion with them GMs if someone comes to you to try and have a discussion don't just like blow them off don't assume they're doing it just to be annoying have a discussion with them see if you can reach some sort of equilibrium mm-hmm. where you can get the essentials of your game across but they can still enjoy it if you can't then you may unfortunately have to like part ways with that person they might have to leave the game but I think it's better if you if you get to that stage. I think it's better you do that than like it causes you like severe stress because it, it's a, at the end of the day it's a game. You're supposed everyone's supposed to be having fun. Mm-hmm. That's why we do it. And I think on that sobering note, we should probably call an end to this 
session of the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast. Uh, we hope you've got something out of it. Like I say, it was mainly for me to get a few things off my chest. Uh, we hope that whatever games you're playing out there, you're all having fun, you're all staying safe in these trying times, and that we hope we'll be speaking to you soon. So whatever you're playing, take care, stay safe, and we'll catch you soon. Bye. Thank you.